We are The Table and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time and we wanna give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope that this message moves you forward. I like that. I like that. Somebody been listening and paying attention. Somebody awake on this good spring morning. You know, we get out of here sooner if you talk back to me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There it is. Ooh, now that's what I'm talking about. You're like, <laughs> I want to start today by just kind of doing a little bit of recap. This is our third day, our final message in our sermon series called what? Come on, man. You got a cheat sheet right there. Big old screen. Struggle. We've been talking about the different ways that we live our lives and we see the struggles happening in our lives. But we know that there is redemption, remediation, reconciliation in Jesus. But the thing about it is I don't ever want to miss the reality of the struggle. Our first week we said that the struggle is real. Last week we talked about the struggle bus, and you having a seat on it. This week, I want to continue to talk about this, and I want to help you understand how to get from struggle to strength. I want to help you understand, first and foremost, what contributes to the struggle. And and in order to do that, we have to take a walk in the beginning. Because what if I stood right here and told you, you do realize Maybe you didn't. That struggle started and was introduced in the beginning. Struggle is not new. The things that you go through and the way that you deal with them is not new. There's a formula to this. There are some things that happened in the beginning. So I want to start on day six of creation. I'll just summarize it for you. In the beginning, God took those six days and he created everything, right? We know that. Maybe you don't know that. But just some of the things he created, he spoke and it happened. He said, let there be what? Light. Okay, so you with me. The word of God says, in the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. So we spend the first two chapters of Genesis. In the beginning, God took six days to create everything. Then on the seventh day, the scripture says that he did what? He rested on the seventh day. We see things in the first six days go from good to very good. And there's a note that I need to make for you in this concept. Many of us think that when he made man, he called man very good. Can I correct that for you? The text says that he created all of these things like Darkness, the earth, the grass, the, the, every, the waters, the fowls of the air, the, the fish of the sea, etc., etc. He called those things good. Then the text tells us that he created man and he gave man dominion. Dominion means that he gave him oversight and ownership. Once he gave man oversight and ownership, then he took a step back and he called that very good. Can I make this point to you today? 
See, everything was very good, and God was able to rest when everything was in its proper place, and everyone was doing their proper purpose. That is the thing that made it very good. Everything that God created had a purpose. Everything that God created had a place. And as long as those two things aligned, then God considered that they were very good. Can you say this with me? It was all good just a week ago. See, you might live life in that way where it's like, wait a minute, everything was going just fine. Just a week ago. Everything by design, the way that God made it, by assignment for who God made it for, our reason for why God made it was very good. So we see in those six days, creation, God created, he assigned, and he approved. But here we are, I told you last week, I made a reference, and I want to, I got some feedback this week, and I want to make sure that you didn't misunderstand, I talked to you about the master and the servant. I talked to you about the bags of silver. One servant had five bags of silver. One had two bags of silver. One had one. The servant that had five bags and two bags, Scripture said they invested it. They did something with it. They multiplied it. And the master came back and said, well done, good and faithful servant. I always find it interesting that we use those words, well done, good and faithful servant, after somebody is dead and gone. We say, well, when I die, I just want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Can Can I tip you off to something? They was alive and kicking when the feedback from the master was, good job, good and faithful servant, because they recognized that there was something that they did not earn, that they were given. They did not sit on it, but they did something with it, multiplied it, and made more of it even though they did not get it. See, we have to understand that there are things that God does, that God gives, and he has the expectation that as long as we breathe in, we're supposed to do something with what he gave us. Oh, but Pastor Nate, what does that have to do? With Genesis, what does that have to do with creation? What does that have to do with Adam? Well, he gave Adam dominion over something Adam had nothing to do with creating. He told Adam, you sit back, and I'm going to give you ownership, oh man, of something you had no idea how it got created, what it was for, but I'm going to give you ownership of it. You know how I know he gave him ownership? Somebody say how. Because you can't name something that you don't own. You can't name something. I dare you to walk up to somebody and name their baby. (laughs) Can't do it. You can't name something that does not belong to you. So here we are. We see Adam who is in the place that God put him. 
the Garden of Eden where he created all this stuff, gave him ownership of it, and told him, you know what? You are to care for it, to tend for it. Everything that you need is right here for you. Your job is to be here, take care of it, use it so that I get glory because you realize that I'm giving you everything you need even though you didn't even know to ask. And you know what? I, I, I trust you so much. I'm going to let you name it. I'm going to let you name it because you have ownership of it. And God gave him this task and sat back and said, now things are very good. Wow. Wow. When everything has its place, now this is going to be a reoccurring thing all day. When everything has a place and it's in its proper place, when everything is carrying out its purpose, even God can rest. So here we are, struggling and can't rest. Can I challenge you that just maybe in the midst of your struggle, the issue is something is out of place or something is off its purpose. Our passage for today is Genesis chapter 3. Tell somebody it was all good just a week ago. Genesis chapter 3, and it reads, oh, man. Then the Lord said to the serpent, oh, wait a minute. Now we got a new plot twist. Many of us know the story, heard the story at least, familiar with the story, that everything was all good. And then someone, somebody, something came and shook it all up, disrupted it, disturbed it. Well, we pick up here in Genesis 3 and 14, and God addresses the serpent. And I want to make sure that you catch this. God addresses three people, three things. In this text, the first one is the serpent. And he says this, because you have done this, what did he do? He deceived, he deceived Eve, he stirred the pot, he made some mess, he was dishonest, he, he broke what was already fixed, he caused a disturbance in the things that were in place. He made them out of place, and the things that had a purpose, he caused them to be in question. So he tells the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals. You are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, graveling in the dust as long as you live. He says, he says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and catch this, between your offspring and her offspring. Can I tell you that struggle begins to be introduced right here when the serpent starts to cause problems. And part of the curse for this is to the serpent to say, you know what, you're going to have a problem 
with this woman and your offspring, the serpent's offspring, you do realize that the devil got generations and generations and generations of mess to get you caught up in. Oh, man. He says that he is going to cause hostility between the woman and his offspring and her offspring. Can I tell you that struggle is starting to take place? Because there is something that's happening in the beginning that has longevity for generations and generations to come. He says... He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. You do realize that means every step you take, there's going to be some friction. There's going to be some problems. Can I say it this way? That you might struggle to take a step forward because there's going to be some hostility on your heel with every step that you take. All oh, the scripture goes on to say this. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. Let me stop right there. Because of this disturbance and this disruption, now the serpent is putting in question and putting something out of place and bringing something off purpose. Now, woman is going to have pain. Can I bring you into October? October. This is May. I'm just trying to make sure you're awake. Can I bring you into May 2023? 20, and one of the things that torment the women of the world are their children. Caring for their children. How will they care for their children? Oh, pain in the physical, pain in the emotional. You go to doctors every couple weeks. You're reading books this long, watching movies this long. Don't even know if you're with child yet, stressing about what's going to happen when you have your baby. You're all over the place. You're struggling, you're stressing from the point of conception, all through the pregnancy. You're just waiting for the doctor to tell you the magic number of weeks when your baby is going to be okay. All you care about is having a healthy baby. You think all the stress and all the trauma and all the how bad you want for your children will stop once they come out of the womb. They lie. Because then it just magnifies and it multiplies and it goes on and on and on. That there is an agony and a stress and a struggle with raising these kids that came from your womb. So we're talking about stress all the way through. And some of the biggest heartbreak ever is when you're trying to conceive a child and can't conceive a child. When you have conceived a child and then miscarry a child. I'm trying to help you to see in the beginning there's an introduction of the struggle. Of humanity and the generational struggle that will continue to go on. Then the word continues to go. And he says, and you will desire to control your husband. Yeah. 
but he will rule over you. I'm talking about struggle. Is it a coincidence one of the biggest problems in a marriage is a power struggle? Who wear the pants? Who bring home the bacon and who cook it? There is something that's being interrupted, or shall I say, just suggested enough to stir the pot. See, the serpent didn't do anything. He didn't make nobody do nothing. He just suggested. Mm. Talking about struggles. Can I tell you that sometimes the biggest struggle is not what was done, it's what was suggested. Oh, boy. In verse 17, he said, last but not least, to the man. Oh, boy. He says to the man, since you listen to your wife, and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living plant. Wait a minute. The very thing that God had given freely, the very thing that has all good intentions, the serpent gets involved and introduces doubt, introduces questions, makes a suggestion about a thing, and all of a sudden, because we can't see what's really going on, all of a sudden, everything that was given to us freely now comes at a cost. Since you listen to your wife, I'm going to have to preach that another Another Sunday. I ain't going to try to start nothing this close to Mother's Day. <laughs> Father's Day is right around the corner. So, brothers, we could uh, talk about this offline. <laughs> we could talk about this offline. <laughs> we, what we see here in Genesis chapter 3 is that all of a sudden, everything that had a place and had a purpose, all of a sudden is all mixed up. See, I told you that struggle enters humanity when everything that had a place is out of place and everything that had a purpose can't figure out what the purpose is. So, if I may, if you find yourself, if I find myself in a struggle, I got to ask myself, am I out of place? Or am I confused about my purpose? Because we don't have a choice, y'all. We have to find our way. We have to find our way. We have to know in the way we're going. Our first point is you have to find your way. So if you are out of place, can I tell you this? You can't stay there. If you're out of place, you can't stay there. And only one of two things can happen. You got to move or God might move you. Remember that. 
if you off of your purpose, your purpose does not change, the route to it just might. Did you catch that? If you're out of place, you can't stay there. You're going to have to move where God might move. And if you're off your purpose, the purpose doesn't change. But your route to it may be different. Here's Adam. He's in a place. He has a place. But now that the serpent has shook everything up, Adam is not working out. He ain't living in his purpose no more. It's all changed. He's already mixed up all of this purpose thing. He was carrying purpose. He was in his place. Everything was in there. So now all of a sudden we see a situation where Adam cannot stay. Why? Why does God, why does God move you or change your situation when you were off of your purpose? Why? Why would God do that? See, I will stand up here and tell you God loves you so much. He does. And you might be thinking, well, if he loves me so much, why does he keep letting this happen? Why did he shake up everything when everything was just fine? You ever ask yourself this? Why would he let this bad thing happen if he loved me so? Well, can I tell you something? All God cares about is that you living in purpose on purpose. That's all he cares about. That you living in purpose on purpose. He don't care about your comfort. He don't care about what you want. But instead, he wants you to cling to him. Because the best of your comfort, the best of the peace, the best of what you need, guess where they are? In his presence. So all he cares about is that you live in purpose, on purpose, and whatever has to happen to make you cling closer to him, that is where he wants you. Wait a second. So you mean to tell me the things I'm struggling with could be the avenue that gets me closer to God where I need to be to carry out my purpose. Amen. Okay. Now, we're getting here somewhere. Because it's found in him when we are with him. It is his desire to be with us. It was his desire. He created us in the way that he did because he wanted to be close to us. That was the whole reasoning. He wanted us to be in the place carrying out the purpose so that we will remain close to him. So you might be asking, why am I so confident? Why am I so excited about this idea of place and purpose? Well, if it was just me and what I thought, then I guess it wouldn't be anything to be excited about. But there's this one big thing. Scripture tells us this very thing. How do I know? Let's keep going. Genesis Chapter 3, starting at verse number uh, verse 20. Then man, put a pin in that. So after all of this is shaken up, after the serpent does all of this stuff, after he disrupts purpose and he puts things out of place, then we pick up here. Scripture says, then man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. How do I know that his purpose was interrupted? 
because his assignment was to name all living things. So if he had not yet named Eve, that means he was in the middle of his purpose. Then that means, could you have been on the right track? Could you be on the right track? And just because something happens that disturbs your steps or causes you to stumble or causes some frustration in you, that does not mean that everything is broken. So scripture says that he had to name Eve and give her, hey, wait a minute, I'm walking in my purpose. How am I experiencing struggle? named Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. So Adam wasn't done, yet he was interrupted. And still Adam had to work alongside of the person who messed around and gave up paradise forever. What? Because despite this change of plan. Despite this change in the program, there was still something to be done and we had to continue to go through the purpose. Here you are, won't talk to your spouse because they didn't take out the garbage and you won't talk to them for a week. And this woman had messed around and gave up paradise. And he got the name or the right name. And expect that they're going to work together to make all mankind. And I can't get a kiss because I ain't washed the dishes. Not me personally. <laughs> That's the Valentine's Day message. We'll come back around there. Because you do know that their task was to be fruitful and multiply. See, they messed around in blue paradise, but yet they still got the... Be fruitful. Valentine's Day, write that one down. <laughs> he continues, he continues in verse 21. And the Lord God made clothing of animal skins for Adam and his wife. Adam's purpose was interrupted. They then forfeited what was given to them. And God still gave them something they needed that they didn't even know to ask for. They didn't know what naked was. They didn't realize they didn't have no clothes. That wasn't even a thing. But all of a sudden, God is still in their separation. Doing the things that they needed. See, we got to be able to look at our situations and we have to understand that the problem is that we don't know what to do with the facts of our situation. That's why we give so much credence and power to our struggle. Because we're not dealing with the facts of our situation. Hmm. So now you're telling me, Pastor, I got to be accountable? Yep. Because this is what Scripture says in three, Genesis 3 and 22. It says this, Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, like who? His triune self. He, they've become like us, knowing both good and evil. Wow. You do realize, or maybe you don't, 
we had a tendency to be smart. And when we're smart, we know-it-alls at the same time. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. You can know a thing and not know what to do with that information. The problem we have right now in this information age is so much stuff out there and don't nobody know how to do with it or to deal with it. And it's creating chaos. Could the struggle be because we're dealing with stuff that we don't know what to deal with? We know so much. We have so many emotions that we don't know how to process. We got too many questions. We don't know how to answer. You have needs that you don't know how to meet. Can I say it like this? You gotta, you're struggling to make sense out of your situation. You're struggling to see yourself getting out of the mess. Could it be that we're not focusing on the facts? And the fact is, any time that we go through, we need a godly intervention. You're seeking for the answers. The answer is in the godly intervention. I got to go back to it. If it's out of place, you cannot stay. You got to make a move. And if you don't know how to make a move, what move to make, where it's going to take you, then God might have to move you. If you're off your purpose, your purpose doesn't change. Your route to it might be different. The root of your struggle is the distance between you and God. The root of your struggle is the distance between you and God. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we feel like God must be pushing us away. Sometimes because he doesn't do the things that we think he should, all of a sudden, we want him to fix the thing that he's creating distance for. But maybe, could it be that our greatest struggle is simply a means to get us back into the right relationship? Maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's a deeper relationship. What do I mean by that? We see right where the struggle starts in the beginning. Genesis 3 and 22. The scripture says, what if they take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. The question that is being asked in the Garden of Eden is what happens if they eat from the tree of life? See, I don't know how many of you pay attention and read the details of Scripture. But in Genesis chapter 2, where everything happens and makes the struggle begin, they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This question is about eating from the tree of life. See, eating from the tree of good and evil introduced them to good and evil. And they did not realize that once good and evil were present in the world, 
that it would be increasingly difficult and impossible without God to know the difference. So we would make decisions, they would make decisions that would separate them from God. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, we're talking about all of a sudden the, the, the eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Man has now made a decision to eat from that tree, introducing evil into the world, being separated from God. Now they got to... Now they're developing a pattern here. Because if they don't know what decisions to make, then they don't realize that if they eat from the tree of life, that means they will live forever. And that means that if they ate from the tree of good and evil, and they make the wrong decision that separates them from God, then if they eat from the tree of life and they're going to live forever, that means they're going to mess around and make decisions that they will live forever separated from God. If I don't do nothing but make it make sense to me, are you catching this? You eat from this tree and you've proven that you can't make decisions in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of confrontation, in the midst of everything not being perfect. God starts to question, well, if they eat from the tree of life, they will be separated from me forever. So this is what he does. Because God knows that everything is very good when you are what? In the right place with the right purpose. So check this out. Verse 23 says this. So the Lord God banished him from the garden and he sent Adam to cultivate the ground for which he had been made. The reason you should get excited about that is because on the surface it seems like he didn't kick them out. He didn't renege. He gave them something and he took it away from them. No, 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 no. The purpose was Adam had to be in the right place on his proper purpose. So he kicked them out so that they would not mess around and eat from the tree, be separated from ever. He kicked him out of the garden and reassigned his purpose to cultivate this dirt. What? Because that was the task from the beginning. I didn't do it so that you would have to work in this way, that it should be painful, that you should struggle your way through it. I gave you an assignment and you ought to do it because I said so. And I'm going to make a way for you to stay on purpose. God created distance so that he could redirect Adam to his purpose. God knew, and I know now, that there is rest. There is rest where you're in your place on your purpose. If God does not intervene, He knew then that he had to separate. Because remember, where, where did the scriptures come from? If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at The Table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.